up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. I have the entire Seven Figure Flipping leadership team right now in this office. We're getting ready to uh, jump into our second day of quarterly planning for our EOS structure. So we operate the company off of the Entrepreneurial Operating System, EOS, a book uh, by Gina Wickman called Traction. And a lot of I know a lot of our mastermind members are using it. And it's just amazing to see the uh, level of traction that we reach each each year, each quarter, and how we can grow as a company by implementing and using this system. So um, we had our implementer come in yesterday and spend the whole day with us and coming up with our plans for the next quarter, our rocks, our goals, uh, casting the vision, all that stuff. And then today we're going to get together as a team and just break that down and see, you know, what are the needle movers? How can we um, work through all the issues that we have on our issues list and all that stuff? So uh, really good stuff this week. I did that with Blackjack on Tuesday and now um, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm doing it here with the seven figure flipping team. And then on Friday, Vanessa is going to stay back and her and I are going to go through the plan for 2021 Flip Hacking Live. So uh, no, no time this week to do podcasts, but what I want to do is I want to let you guys behind the scenes of Flip Hacking Live. So if you attended, this will be a great refresher of one of the presentations that was given there. And if you didn't attend, you can see what you missed. This is one of the presentations that was given by Stephanie Betters, one of our seven figure altitude members, just all around amazing mom, amazing entrepreneur, amazing person. And she was in Charlotte. They lived there. So she came to the studio. She got to present from the studio. We got to spend time together, have dinner on Saturday night together. It's just so much fun seeing them and catching up, her and her husband, Zach. And uh, I think you guys are going to really love this one. It just goes out to all the entrepreneurs, um, the moms, the dads, the families, the uh, how do you how do you have some work-life balance? What does that look like? What is the journey like for an entrepreneur uh, over this, this arc, these cycles, all the things that we go through to build our business and try to support our family and our life? So uh, without further ado, I want to welcome my great friend, Stephanie Betters, to the virtual stage at Flip Hacking Live 2020. And here's a behind-the-scenes look of that presentation. I hope you guys enjoy it. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. Thanks, everybody. So this is, uh, I'm going to be really honest, this is kind of a vulnerable moment for me because, you know, Bill asked me to share some things and share a little bit about our journey and my journey as an entrepreneur and journey as a COO and then transitioning to other businesses. And that's hard for me because I'm usually talking about systems and procedures and tactical stuff. And I love that stuff. Um, and today... I'm going to talk about what happens behind closed doors when you're building a company, when you're building companies, when you're trying to deal with a lot of different things. So my my presentation is called Earning Your Stripes, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the entrepreneurial arc and kind of the journey of being an entrepreneur. Um, I love this picture, um, so keep this in mind as I talk because this is kind of what I feel like the journey looks like. Um, just But just a quick... Quick backstory about me and my husband and our business with our partner, Jeff. Uh, this is how this whole thing started. Um, just real quick. I wish it could say that it was my idea, but it wasn't. It's was my husband's idea. Uh, Zach is amazing. He has all kinds of crazy ideas. And <laughs> brief timeline, 2007, we were recently married, really young. And he's like, why don't we just buy a foreclosed house? That's what we, that's what people do who don't have any money, who need to buy, have a place to live. They buy a foreclosed house. 
And immediate reaction is absolutely not. No, this is what I pictured. You know, you should. I was picturing him carrying me across the threshold to a beautiful house, and we're gonna have all these babies. And that was definitely not what happened. I had to break into it to even qualify for the loan. Had to paint over mold. It was it was an adventure. <laughs> Luckily, we we lived in it. And we and we sold it in 2009, the end of quarter one in 2009, literally right before the market fell out where we were in upstate New York at the time. And we sold it. We got a nice profit out of it. And then we went to grad school. Uh, I'm a nurse practitioner. My husband's a physician assistant. And we went full force into our careers because that's what we knew we were supposed to do, right? That's what everyone told us we had to do. We graduated, and then in 2011, my husband says, let's do that again. That was kind of fun. We made some money. That was good. And I was like, no. You know, I have all this PTSD from sheetrock dust and living in that mess. And now, at that point, we had a lot of student loans, you know, collectively about $200,000 in student loans. And I was like, we just spent all this time getting our education, all this effort. You know, we had had a baby. We were, you know, I was pregnant again. And it was just, it was, I was scared. I had a lot of fear I was dealing with. Um, some time passed. We got a little bit settled in our career. And in 2012, it was really this year where I was like, okay, he really wants to do this. What is my threshold for saying yes? Like, I'm obviously dealing with a lot of fear here. What do I need to, to get over it, really, in other words? And we made a small bet right? So we, we were here in Charlotte, we bought a house and we, to, you know, to stay and it wasn't a flipper. It was a pretty nice house. And we said, okay, if we're right about what we think is going to happen in the market here in Charlotte, this house is going to appreciate in a few years and we'll get a HELOC out. And that ended up being the bet that, that got us started. We were right. So it started with that one little thing. So this is a little picture, a simplified picture for my first one about arcs and the entrepreneurial arc. And I love this picture of arcs on a timeline for a lot of reasons. What I really like about this picture is that there's no designated period of time. We can't tell if this, is this timeline is over the course of a year, two years, 20 years. And I love that because every journey that we all are going through is completely different. And all of our timelines look a little bit different. And if you look at the first dot on the timeline where that little arc falls, is not at the end of the timeline. And I really feel like that represented really well how I felt when we started. And I, when we started, I really just had no idea where we'd end up. I honestly didn't even know how to dream, how to dream that big. I only knew how to go to school and to do like things in order. I had no idea how to open my mind like that. Um, and the other thing that I love about that is it really wasn't accurate, right? What you thought you were going to do is not even close to where you ended up uh, getting at. And the, the, the timeline I love because look how many jumping points there are. There are so many things, so many decisions, so many events that happen that kind of progress you through the line. And, and I, it, that to me is very comforting because it's not about one decision. You're not just going to make one decision that's going to be 100% right. And there's not going to be one decision that you make that you're going to be 100% wrong and everything's going to fail. They're going to be incremental, a collection of decisions. And for me, that's really reassuring because it's okay to fail. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay to go back. Look at the lines. They go back, they get stuck and they keep moving forward. And I just love that. Um, also this picture I chose because you can see there's a negative there in the line. And this is the stuff that that's hard to talk about. This is the stuff that happens behind closed doors. This is the cost of building. This is the cost of dreaming, of sacrificing, of going all in. And it's a very real thing. And 
sometimes you have to you have to make sacrifices. Sometimes you have to go back. Sometimes you have to start over. And I love that. I feel like that gives us permission. So with Bill asking me to put this pre presentation together, he's like, yeah, just talk about all the things that you know, change your life. I'm like, okay, I have 25 minutes to talk about this. But the last five years, because um, we really started our business really seriously in 2015, these five years have been really, really intense. We've gone full force. My husband created a monster. We are all in now. Uh, and these are, you know, when I really think about our journey, these are the main points that I feel like were really, really impactful for me and what really, you know, influenced our journey, influenced my heart, influenced a lot of things. And I had no idea what to call this slide. How do you summarize this? So I just went with emojis. Okay. That's about right. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you guys can connect with that, especially after hearing some of these speakers. Um, but here we are, this is almost exactly 13 years later from when we first bought that house in upstate New York to now in the last five years being the most intense. So, uh, these, like I said, these are the milestones that we had to overcome. And unfortunately they're in this order. And I say that because you see needs is all the way at the bottom there. That one I still have to come back to and, and remember. Okay. So let's start with the identity crisis. And I really want to normalize this for you guys. Um, because this, this one, this was really hard to, to work through. So I'm going to just kind of start with the, with the one that was really hard, but who the heck am I? Right? Like th this is something like I couldn't, Am I more than my degree? Is this even allowed? Can I do this? I'm a nurse practitioner. I'm, I've got my dream job. I get to operate on hearts. I got to take care of really sick people. Like, should I be more than that? Should, like, who the heck am I to think that I can do more? Shouldn't I be grateful for what I have? Why am I, you know, going to go try to move this mountain? I'm a mom. I have, at this point, I have three kids. Can a mom do this? Is this allowed for a mom to do? Like, shouldn't I be, you know, in homemaker bliss somewhere? Like, <sighs> Am I, what am I actually good at, right? Like, do I have the skills it takes? I don't have a, I don't have a, a business background. I have a medical background. Is that even compatible? And how do I know that this is okay to do? Um, that was a tough, that was a tough one because there was no framework for me at this point. I didn't have a tribe, you know, my family, what just told me to go to school. I've uh, my, both my parents are, are immigrants. I'm the first person in my family to be born in the U S and that the immigrant mentality is you go to school, you get a degree. So I didn't know anything better. I didn't know if this was okay. So the things that I learned to, to kind of attack the identity crisis is I'm going to start with this. I'm a, I'm a collection of valuable skill sets and experiences. I'm not my job title. I am good at complex problems. I like solving complex problems. I like systems. I like algorithms. I like marketing. I like talking about problems. Um, I don't mind blood. I've got a strong stomach. I've got a good memory. These are the things that I have to tell myself, not my job title, not what I learned in school. These are the skills, like my experience, my mom, you know, I'm a mom. The, all these things make me who I am. And this is something that I like to joke about with Zach, but I can do, I can learn how to do anything. At this point, I feel like I can confidently say that anything out there I can learn how to do, especially if I'm angry enough, <laughs> anger and passion kind of goes back and forth with me that I've got this like fire in my belly and you know, it doesn't come out like a lash out. It just comes out like a, Oh, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to figure it out. And I get real ramped up and I, and I can, I can learn how to do anything. If I get that, that fire in my belly, I know I can do it. And nobody, nobody can decide what I'm capable of except for me. I set my own limitations. It's my own mind. That is my worst enemy, right? Or my best friend. 
It's my mind, then I control it and I can do anything. And being a mom makes me stronger, right? I'm real, I'm a human, I made humans and they're watching and they're, and they're, they're the best accountability that we could ever have. And I know it's gonna be okay because I'm going to collect information and I'm gonna make incremental decisions. Just one decision at a time with the information that I have at that time. And it's okay if I change my mind. It's okay if I change direction, as long as I'm moving, it's okay. I'm just going to make one decision after the next and I'm just gonna do the best I can with the information that I have. Uh, Jocko Willick famously says like, stay calm, look around, make a decision. And I feel like that has been so, so true for me and how I've coped with so much stress and so much pressure throughout this journey. Next is a spouse. I love talking about this because I'm on this journey with my husband and we're all in, right? So how do, how do you have a good marriage through this? When both people are absolutely all in, you're financially all in, your time is all into this business and we, you know, we're going full force. That's what we did. I mean, we just, we hit this thing running. Um, so what I think is really important to cope and, and to get through this with your spouse or your significant other is first to have shared vision. You really need to be on the same page. You need to dream together. You need to create the why together and you've both got to agree on what that is. And if you're the visionary and this is your idea to start a business, I want you to lead your spouse first, okay? You've got to stir the heart of your spouse and lead your spouse in order to lead anybody else. That's the first person that you need to inspire. And if, you're the, if, if your spouse is the one with the vision to start this out, you've got to trust your spouse enough to be led. And I put a bunch of asterisks on there because that was hard. That was hard for me, okay? I mean, I, I can, I'm a natural leader. I just don't even mean to be. I just make decisions. We go to a restaurant. I'm the one who tells the hostess how many people we have in our party. I can't help it, right? but I really needed to trust Zach in this. And that was really, really hard for me because I felt like I wanted to contribute. I wanted to be part of it, but you need to trust your spouse enough to be led. I don't care which one of you is who, but these two things I think are the most important thing if you're in business with your spouse or you're even trying to be, to start a business with your spouse because this is gonna come up anyway. No negotiables and non-negotiables, you gotta know what they are. You gotta have everything on the table uh, and you got to talk about it. And, you know, this, imagine this is your board of directors and you're trying to make decisions about the company and the family, like everybody's opinion matters and somebody's going to make the final decision. There's going to be compromise, but everybody's non-negotiables and negotiables have to be, have to be there. And your roles in decision-making and your roles in the business and the roles in the family have to be really clearly delineated. And, and, and I really, this is probably the best advice I ever got just marriage advice is you just got to talk about everything. You've got to keep it all on the table. And if there is something that makes you say, like you get in an argument, like, oh, I shouldn't have to tell him. I shouldn't have to tell him to do this. I shouldn't have to tell him to say this or to bring flowers every once in a while or let's go out for a date. You shouldn't have to tell him to ask me out on a date, you know? If you feel that way, then you've got to say it. You've got to say it, right? I, there, you, you should have to do everything. Uh, and I love this book, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. I thought that was awesome. It's a great way to communicate with each other, business or not. I just think this is an awesome, awesome book and everybody should read it. It helped, helped a lot. Make sure you're speaking the same language to each other. And staying on this subject, I've learned some stuff about the types of business spouse relationships. 
And I'm going to talk about this from from the the wives' perspective because that's what I am. But I really think this is just as applicable to men who are in these roles as well. Um, first of all, you may be you may find yourself being the CEO wife, and that means that you're the boss, you're running the company, it's your vision. Well, something that you struggle with in this role is going to be gender roles and. You know, I'm I'm out there and, and I'm a, I'm a leader too and I'm a woman, but it's still I don't care I don't care what century it is. This is going to come up and this is going to be something to talk about because if you're the CEO, somebody else has to pick up the rest of the pieces of your life. No matter who you are, male or female, somebody has to do it. And I think that if you are the CEO wife, then this gender role thing kind of comes up. So be willing to talk about it, be willing to t- say these feelings. Um that way you don't get trapped in this gender role thing. And as a, as the 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 wife in the CEO role, there's going to be a lot of chaos, and you and and your head is in the clouds, and you're in a million miles an hour, and you've got to find a way to get some security in that chaos and to pace yourself. You may be the partner wife, and this means that you're actively in, involved in the business, and you have job roles, and you're together, and you're sharing it. Thing that you're going to struggle with here, and that you're going to need to overcome, is boundaries where work ends and and home begins, what your priorities are with your family, with your kids, with even vacation and finding balance. And then you may, you may find yourself to be the supportive wife role and that you may be working in a different field. You may be a stay at home mom. And you know, what you're going to probably struggle with with this role is a little bit of loneliness, feeling like you can't relate or understand what's going on with the business and kind of feel like you may be living different lives and different planets. And I've been in all three of these roles over the past five years. I feel like I've got multiple personality disorder um, and I, they're all difficult. They all have their own, um, their own set of challenges. Um, and I think that what's, what's tricky about business and, and, and marriage is that, you know, when business where we go out there and we seek information, you know, we're become hyper self-aware in our business. We read business books. We take sales training. We take business training. We take personality tests. And this creates kind of this hyper awareness too in your marriage. But then you put that right at the bottom of the list. So remember to think about that too along the way. Um, one book that was really impactful for me, I don't have it here on the slide, but there is a book called The Power of a Woman's Words by Sharon James. And that was really mind opening for me coming at it from, you know, a supportive wife and a CEO wife. Our words are really powerful. And and the bottom line is our words are powerful for each other, you know, regardless if you're male or female, but there's, there's something special there. And I like that book was great. So that was a good one to read. Okay. The next thing that I feel like you really got to address. Um, and that was really, a pressure cooker for us in our business is leadership and stepping into this leadership role in a company and whether or not you should do that. So this quote, I love, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And I think that is so awesome. Um, Something that we learned along the way here is how to grow a team, how to build that team and grow it. And, you know, when we first started hiring, the, the thought was, oh, I need someone to help do tasks. And it is so beyond tasks when you, when you put together a wonderful team, and I feel like we have the best team, we really do. My team is phenomenal. I mean, I honestly think they're better at me than a lot of the things that we do. They're fantastic. And it's not about the tasks anymore. It's about a collaboration. It's about the teamwork. You know, we've, we've head on, you know, with, with core values. Everybody on, on our team has the same core values. This has been huge to, to even understand what core values are and how to use them to hire in your business. 
and letting go. This is something that's super hard for me. It's really, really hard for me to delegate. It's really hard for me to trust. Um, and I just kind of want, I, I want to keep all the tasks. I'm a taskmaster. I'm, I, you know, I can work harder than anybody that you ever, you ever show me, but it, it, the best way to do this is to, is to collaborate. And that means you have to let go. So building a team and going through that these past years made me really feel like, why should anyone follow? What, who, what is a leader that's worth following? I want to be that. I want to be that person that people want to be around, that people want to be on my team, that we want to work well together. And I want you to think about that when you're hiring. It's like, it's not just the task. It's about who you are too and what you bring to the team and who you have around you. And it's also about having a vision that's worth sharing. This is not just about you and your bottom line and your retirement. This is about your impact, your community, your team, what you're doing for people that are in your active life, not just your retirement. So I want you to think bigger than that. And then you'll be able to recruit the right people. And I think the right people will stay and the people will be excited. Everyone will be excited about the vision. They want to be a part of it. If it's inspiring and it's impactful, people will want to be a part of it. The next thing that really impacted our business and was something to kind of overcome too was figuring out systems. I love this emoji because it's so true. There's just all these dials that we turn. Um, EOS, the entrepreneurial operating system that was talked about in the book Traction, this changed your business, like without a doubt. I, th- I thought I was good at systems and algorithms until I read that business and started implementing it. One of the best things we ever did was to hire an EOS coach and come in and even help, you know, help coach us on how to implement this. That was incredible. I really taught us how to build. How do you build a company? Again, I didn't have any business background. I, you know, I have my set of skills that I'm good at, but I still didn't really know how to build. So I had these big goals that, you know, Zach wanted to achieve. And, and, and how do we do that? How do, how do we take those big goals and create action steps out of those goals and then pace ourselves in getting there? So putting together metrics and KPIs, this is something I love talking about, um, but this is when I learned to do it. Once I learned how to control metrics, I learned how to progress our business. Metrics and KPIs will predict and show you the health of your business. So you won't be able to predict properly and make decisions if you don't have metrics, and you won't even be able to know where you are in business if you don't have them. So they're super important to think about. And then departments. Now you have a company with departments, people in departments that are giving focused effort towards the goal. And that is so important is focus. And then training. How do we train people? How do we be efficient with that? How do we give people what they need to be really good at their jobs? And really how to put this together and make it structured, make it process-based, keep things simple. We want to remove as many decisions as humanly possible. We want to make it we want to make it feel like butter, right? Like we just do the same thing. We're not going to make the same decisions multiple times. We're going to make a decision once. We're going to come up with our process. We can tweak it from there, but everybody just needs to feel like they know what comes before them and what comes after them. And then documenting that, you know, having, having something written down. This obviously is just a super quick slide on systems, but getting this together changed our business and taught me how to build other businesses. There we go. Next comes opportunity. And this is a sticking point for me because this created, like I said, my husband created a monster. I was scared. Now, you know, now I've got some stuff figured out. I'm not as scared anymore. Started solving some problems. Now I see all these other ways to solve problems. I mean, I will tell you that (laughs) 
this year. I'm like, well, I should make buttons. I should make a button factory because look at these problems with these buttons. I mean, it's ridiculous. I just see problems everywhere now and I'm so excited to solve them and I don't care how complex they are. I want to solve problems. I see it everywhere now that I did this. I, you know, there's an addiction there. Like I literally am addicted to opportunity. I see it. I want to fix it. I want to be part of it. Let's do it. And it's very overwhelming. <laughs> okay. You can't possibly be doing this all the time. And you know, now I have all these ideas, right? You can't, you gotta, you gotta rein it in a little bit. So with this comes discernment. And I really learned a lot about, about discernment. With discernment comes maturity. Instead of just being like all over the place, making a lot of decisions, creating a lot of energy, like expending a lot of energy, I've learned to kind of bring it down a little bit and be mature about what I'm deciding to do, right? And that have that focused energy is a lot about maturity and that thoughtfulness. And, and does this, does this meet my passion criteria? You know, that fire in your belly. Are you passionate about it? Like, do you, is it part of your why? Does it fit your core values? Can you systemize it? Can you create a, you know, a community around it? Do other people want in, you know, this all started to come together and, and I started thinking about opportunity in a much more like mature way for lack of a better way of saying it. And lots of cool things happened. It started off the little Better's Homes of the Carolinas. They didn't even know how to make a logo that didn't show the background. It was, it was great. And then Better Path Homes was born, Social Media REI, Left Main, a real estate CRM. All these problems I felt really passionate about solving, solved for me, now solve for other people too. It's a beautiful thing. And then last but not least, needs. Please, <laughs> I have needs too. I have personal requirements and I need to stay healthy. And this was the last on my list because I'm going to be really real. I was not healthy. These last five years have been really, really intense. And I'm an intense person, you know, and it was just a lot. You know, I think you physically take a toll when you push this hard. And I didn't know how to stay healthy. I knew how to sacrifice. I knew how to give up what I wanted. And I, and I, I didn't know how to have balance. So I really, really struggled with this but you've got to pay attention to your body. You've got to pay attention to your relationship. You've got to schedule, put family fun on there. We used to do family fun Fridays and, and we still come back to this. You know, the, I built my, I feel like I built my tribe. This group has been incredible because I've met women like me. I've met business owners like me. I feel like people understand me. They're different than, you know, my friends outside of here. They're different than my friends at the hospital. You know, I needed a tribe that I felt like I could be real with. And now I feel like I'm on this campaign to be vulnerable and talk about what happens behind closed doors so that I can, we can normalize this experience that we feel. And physical health is huge. Like I've got to, I've got to run. I've got to have like high impact. Got to get that energy out. Got to calm my brain down. If I eat like crap, I feel like crap. It's all super important, but there's still a balance and a counterbalance. There's always going to be times when we need to dial it back. I'm like, I, you don't have to tell me to work. I will work. You need to tell me to stop. And I always have to do this. I always, I know that now about myself that I need to still dial back and it's still going to happen. And it's okay. As long as I, as long as I do it and pace yourself, come up with run, walk cycles. Andy actually told me this years ago. He's like, run, walk, run, walk. I was like, what's that? I'm just going to sprint. But this is so important because you'll get so much farther and you'll be so much healthier and you can do it for short spurts. You got to launch stuff. You got to do stuff. You got to work hard, but then you got to walk too. You got to enjoy it. Got to enjoy the journey. And this is what it feels like. I feel like I'm still there. Sometimes I'm that girl falling off and sometimes I'm that girl looking cool, but it's always back and forth. It's always, always been back and forth. 
that's all I've got. You guys can find me. I'd love to talk about this kind of stuff. All right. Give it up for Stephanie Betters. How about that presentation, guys? It was, I was sitting there watching, taking notes, just absolutely loved every second of it. I think this is one of the, the feedback that we got from the event, all the testimonials afterwards. This is a presentation that's just got talked about and raved about over and over and over. The chat was blowing up during the event uh, with how awesome it was afterwards. People thanking Stephanie. Just really cool presentation. And when her and I got together and talked about she mentioned what she wanted to talk about. It was, I think it was just perfect timing. Couldn't be better timing to do a presentation like that. So I hope you got a lot from that one. I hope you really enjoyed it. And if you guys want to get the rest of the videos, if you want to see all of Flip Hacking Live, you missed it or you were there and uh, you weren't able to attend a couple days or you missed a couple presentations or you just want the presentations, you want the videos, you want the slides, those kind of things, then we've set it up for you this year, something that we've never done before. So we've never sold the recordings after the event. And this event was a little bit different. We went virtual. Um, there were people that couldn't make it, people that were in different time zones, but you have the opportunity now to buy the recordings. And we have put the recordings together in the past. We've never been able to include every single speaker. So I worked it into every paid speaker's contract, every keynote speaker that we've had. So um, we're able to include all of the speakers and you'll have access for a year. So you can go to fliphackinglive.com and when we have them all ready, we have them all bundled there. Um, you, can, uh, you can buy them right there. And then if you were at the event, and we have a special offer for you guys. You can uh, go inside of our Flip Hacking Live 2020 Facebook group. And we have a special link for you guys because you already bought a ticket. So if you didn't have a ticket, you didn't get to come, but you still want to see the event, This maybe this presentation uh, sparked something for you and you want to see the entire three days, I will tell you, this has been hands down the best event that we've ever put together. And I, I would argue the best real estate conference that I've ever been to, period. It was amazing. The structure, the people who came to speak, the keynote speakers, the the entrepreneurs, the members that came. It was just an amazing, amazing event. So you can see it. If you missed it, you're not too late. Uh, we're going to have these on sale for a little while before we start promoting Flip Hacking Live 2021. So don't wait. You can go to fliphackinglive.com, grab this bundle. And if you were at the event, just go into our Facebook group, our um, Flip Hacking Live 2020 Facebook group, and you can uh, see there. We have it posted as an announcement. Uh, you can grab a discounted uh, link. And then one other thing that uh, I didn't mention is for every uh, sale that we make, you'll see it on the site, but we're going to give $200 towards Operation Underground Railroad. We raised a little over $100,000 at this event, and I want to figure out how to, how to beat what we've done in the past. So for every um, recording that we sell, we'll give away $200 towards Operation Underground Railroad, which is a charity that fights human trafficking and sex trafficking for kids. So something I'm really passionate about, I'm the Tennessee Director for the Volunteers uh, here in Nashville, and... Uh, really, really passionate about this organization and raising money for them uh, ever since they came in to Flip Hacking Live three years ago for the first time. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. I'll see you on the next podcast. You can go to fliphackinglive.com, grab the recordings. Once we're ready, we'll put them up there. And um, uh, you can also get on the waiting list for 2021. We're ready to announce where it's going to be and what we're going to do. So, all right, guys, I will see you on the next.